You're listening to Cinema Snarks. I'm Larry. And I'm Ren. And we are going to tell you how we really feel. So it is the 4th of July weekend. Hey. Hey. <laughs> and we are yeah. wearing our patriotic best, but you can't see it in an audio format, but we are. <laughs> Rocking that USA it. like Olympics shirt here. Mm-hmm. Nice translucent. Shiny. I'm wearing, yes, I'm wearing a, a blue and red ensemble, uh, <laughs> but my skin is white. So I will use that as my white portion of the red, white, and blue. Um, and as people do around 4th of July, I am sorry if you hear any sort of yard tools in the background. <laughs> um, lots of that is going on outside my window here. At, so At least yay. it's not like last year when there were fireworks every single day in June leading up to the 4th of July. Yeah, they've been out and about recently, but I can forgive that. Uh, yeah. Last year, though, it was, <laughs> it was just nuts. like from the end of May all the way through to uh, past the 4th of July every single outrageous. day. Outrageous. And like at like one in the morning. It was so bad that Whoopi Goldberg talked about it on The View. And I don't watch The View, but my husband watches The View. And so I saw it and I thought it was hilarious that apparently it was not a Denver localized issue. Okay, it's everywhere. It was pandemic over exuberance. Here we are in the almost not as much pandemic. (laughs) Here in America anyways. Hoping tail end now with this new uh strand yeah. variant uh, yeah yeah let's uh <laughs> i got i have to say I, we got to be a little bit excited about america this year because we kind of killed it with the vaccine situation we did and like yeah like my uh my husband's family is visiting from foreign countries uh and they are horrified by the number of people that are walking around without masks on and we're like yes we're we're pretty ready to just like <laughs> live life again. We're it's cool. We don't. It's not as vaccination rate thing. is pretty good. Pretty yeah, solid. it's you know it's not what we would hope, but it's we also hope everyone would wear a mask. Yeah, well, <laughs> they gotta stick it to us one way or another, I guess. Um, so you know. So yay, America! We're here yeah. on Fourth of July, um, and we are. We promise you, we're not gonna do a free for all. America rocks. Uh, episode we're gonna that's not the kind of people our no, podcast no, no. we are on here no, so no. we're not but gonna we trash america so this is also no. not a, a for america sucks podcast but fair and balanced <laughs> let's not use that slogan um <laughs> please jesus um, but yeah so we have a few different categories ran what do we talk about today Okay, so we're going to cover uh, what I have deemed the true 4th of July films. Uh, so these are the ones that are uh, actually centered on like the Revolutionary War, right? Because the 4th of July is about the American Revolution. Um, and then we're going to kind of cover some of those films that are just kind of like they feel patriotic. They make you kind of like happy to be American. Um, we're going to talk about the good ones and the bad ones. Um, and then we're going to kind of move into those ones that are a little bit more like just about the American dream in general, uh, which will uh, essentially bring us into the problematic uh, American dream films. And then uh, we can move into the full on anti-America films that show where America can be doing better. And in some cases has eventually done better, but um, did some absolutely horrifying things in the past. Uh, So that is what we are going to be talking about today. Um, I think we, of course, here on the 4th of July should start with the true 
Fourth of July films. And I have uh, to admit, we we both are we both admitted to ourselves. If you are listening and wondering where all the classic westerns are when we speak about American films and patriotic experiences, um, that is the the westerns definitely leaned on that type of atmosphere. However, it's a big blind spot in my filmography. It's actually probably the biggest blind spot in my filmography. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, I think actually we should absolutely try and do like a Western uh, episode at some point because you and I both have a little bit of a blind spot there. Yeah. Uh, but also I would argue there's like a quite a big chunk of the like Western film legacy that isn't like... <laughs> American they're spaghetti westerns so they're like half italian people and it's directed by an italian person and like a lot of the the like production is all italian people and it's kind <laughs> of more like a american fantasy than it is like an american film <laughs> so i still either way i don't think that a vast majority of the westerns would fit into this particular um range but i did actually went to the western museum in oklahoma city and was blown away by the depth of the western western film history so yeah, one mean, of these days is, we will get into that it's a it's a big part of film history it was the prop the genre of film for a, quite some time um just not one that has interested me but uh, you know having blind spots recognizing those blind spots and educating yourself on them is always an advantage i've seen plenty of films that i did not have any interest in watching just because I felt I should see them. So, <laughs> also, though, uh, a couple other just transparency things. Neither one of us are the biggest war film fans. Um, there are some great ones, some war films I do love, uh, but usually a war film, I'm like, okay, here we go. But uh, yeah, yeah I, I tend to be of the opinion that like a war film is a war film. They're all kind of the same. <laughs> I know I understand that they're not all actually the same, but there's like it's the same general conflict of like there is a war and it is a thing and it is happening. And it's just a lot of explosions and like things, you know, flying in your face and things like that. Uh, We did talk. My favorite war film ever is 1917, but uh, that is not on this list because it is about British soldiers. (laughs) It's in fact not about American. It's, no. it's about British patriotism, but we're American. It, so it we're going to be talking about American patriotism today. I'm sorry from to this our, list. our foreign listeners. Um, feel free to leave us with films that celebrate your country's patriotism as well. But if there is a country that is infamous for being patriotic. I do think it is the United States of America. Um, Yes, especially around Olympics time and sports times, we do see all the other countries get really into that patriotism thing. But year round, you can go anywhere in the United States and see American flags flying. You hear all about America being the greatest uh, all the time. So Uh there's a country that takes patriotism to the next level i think it's America. yeah yeah i mean i think a lot of uh a lot of countries kind of put that energy into just their like their their sports they're like soccer yeah, yeah. teams more than anything else and yeah, we have that excited. we have plenty of that energy for sports and america um, and our problem is we don't compete with the rest of the world in a lot of our correct. sports very so we often think we're 
great we just compete with ourselves um, so what is it the world series that's just american world series. uh i mean i guess we invite canada into basketball and hockey so sure sure that. sure 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 yep uh-huh uh, there are international <laughs> players on the hockey they're, team they're really trying to get the rest of the world to accept the nfl we always have our games over in london every year now a couple of games trying to get them interested in american football but you know whatever um, the world cup america most of the time couldn't care right and so. of course america can't get into soccer no 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 no. you have to get into our sport that nobody else is into we're not going to get into the sport that you guys are all into yes i know we took the best player that you have or one of our teams but it doesn't matter we don't care just, yeah. so that's but our women's team is killer and we still don't care no. uh it's okay great excellent we don't need to keep talking about america uh we but, want to talk yeah. about america <laughs> american film. movies yes um, um, and movies that center around some sort of patriotism or the state of america another yeah. caveat i had as i was doing research trying to compile my own list uh the patriotism is not really my job <laughs> So a lot of general patriotic films, I don't know that I've seen. So I I had to go a little bit more abstract, maybe as I went through some of these. We have the we have the classics, of course. Yeah. Yes. And that as we move through. So I so I am I am a patriot. I I am patriotic. I am not a nationalist. There is a there is a big difference between those two things, and uh, stop the podcast. I mean, we have to to stop the podcast and sever the friendship immediately. She was an exactly. So I, you know, I'm a. I I often ask people like, "What's your war?" I know that's weird, and I've already talked about how like I don't like war films, but I I have found that like people that are into history tend to pick like one war that they're like really into that they've like learned the most about. Um, so I know a little bit about the Civil War. I know a little bit about World War Two. I know like next to nothing about World War One, but I know a crap ton about the Revolutionary War. Prior to living in Philadelphia and being a tour guide in Philadelphia, where I learned all about the revolution and America's founding, I was already a nerd because uh, all the all the girls out there will remember American Girl Dolls and uh, Felicity was absolutely my favorite. Um, and I think that was probably where my interest in the Revolutionary War lied. Um, I think my uh, affection uh, for the Revolutionary War is tied to my patriotism because I think that was the point in American history when you could really be excited about what America stood for. Um, and there was a lot of other points in American history where it's like ugh, problematic. I think maybe World War II, you've also got like a resurgence of like, yeah, America's kick ass. Um, but I, I think that uh, America was kind of at their best and it, it's it's a really inspiring story to me um, because we basically were just there's like we're like a bunch of farmers and like convicts, ex-convicts and like just like rejects from Europe that were here living in the United States, uh, but that wasn't the United States. We're in the colonies. And we basically took on the biggest military force in the world and we won. And of course, like anybody who's like a, a war nerd will um, understand that there that's not exactly how it went. And like a lot of it has to do with like they had endless resources to fight the war, but also like, did they really want to spend all that money on us and blah, blah, blah. But anyways, we won. Um, if you go to England, they'll talk about how they let us go. 
<laughs> we beat them and we won. Um, and I really appreciate that the United States had these very um, I, lofty ideals, especially for the time. And we basically launched the democratic uh, government wave that started to form throughout the world, um, which we kind of set an example for the uh, for democracy. And I think democracy is super important. I think democracy is certainly much better than whatever they have going in uh, in China. I'm just going to say it. <laughs> Their weird form of democracy. It's not really democracy is. Um, yeah, I think, uh, you know, I think democracy has problems, has flaws. I think it is the best, worst option. Um, if you have a better idea, we can argue about it, but I have, I feel pretty firmly about this. <laughs> um, but anyways, um, so I, I really like the, the revolution and I, I, that's why I'm a patriot is I, I think that at, at the very least we, we had some lofty ideals and we really did start from a place of like wanting better for the, for ourselves and humanity. It just like took us a while to get there and we're still working on it. Um, but uh, so from that standpoint, um, the 4th of July films, right, the ones that are like officially about the Revolutionary War, there are not a lot of them <laughs> for whatever reason. Um, there's a few made for TV series that are pretty good, but we're not even going to talk about those because they don't count. They're not movies. Um, so uh, it's a pretty short list that we have. Um, the uh, first one <laughs> is uh, The Patriot. Uh uh, it's also on a lot of lists for one of the worst films ever made. You find uh, it on both. Yeah. both awkwardly. Um, I liked The Patriot. Um, I was absolutely in love with Heath Ledger uh, when I was in the demographic to be in love with Heath Ledger. Uh, so I very much enjoyed that. My mother was really into Mel Gibson. Um, there's lots of reasons not to be into Mel Gibson anymore, but it was like kind of this fun at little the thing. Time, where everyone like, loved Mel Gibson. Yes. At so. the time, everybody loved Mel Gibson. Right. And it was like, it was basically like American Braveheart, right? It was, it was straight up American Braveheart. It was like, he just remade Braveheart for America. <laughs> um, and that's fine. Um, I, uh, I, I liked the Patriot. Uh, I thought it was fun, and uh, and I don't get a lot of Revolutionary War films. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> Larry, you're making like these faces, like mm, uh, I mean, tell it's me okay. how you feel. It's a little bit cheesy for me. It's mm. a little, it's a little much overall for me. But it's, Braveheart is also a little bit much for me, um, and that one oh. is. That one is a lot more false, uh, I think, overall <laughs> than the Patriot. But you know, you do what you do, I guess. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's just some of these overblown feeling like Mel Gibson movies. Everybody loves them. They are very well loved by the general public. It's it's okay. I don't hate the Patriot, but I also don't love it. That's fair. Um, I don't have a lot of other things to say about the Patriot other than the fact that like <laughs> Heath Ledger's great. Heath Ledger's great. Um, oh, it broke my little heart. I think, uh, I think Mel Gibson has some good moments, uh, of like actually trying to act and do like his acty thing. He does, he does, he used, he had a period where he was real good and we liked him. Um, tis a shame. Um, but other than that, it's like, you know, it, it's just, we have a limited amount, uh, but moving into the ones that I like really love. Um, and this is another one that's like questionable. I love National Treasure. I think it is a national treasure. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, I 
think it's great. It's got all these little silly nuggets. I'm like, it's got all kinds of things that are like nonsense and don't make any sense, but it's fun and it's a heist sort of film. And it like really draws in so much of the Revolutionary War and important figures in the Revolutionary War um, that I I enjoy it. I I think it's a a good time. You get little fun facts in there, here and there. and it's it's just fun. And I, I, I think that the 4th of July should always be centered on fun. All right. It's a day to have barbecues and shoot explosions into the sky. So uh, that that's that says explosions in the sky says Nicolas Cage to me. One hundred percent. Who He's, didn't love National Treasure growing up? Like if you were if you were like a younger age in the mid two thousand, yeah, National Treasure was a lot of fun. I, I don't a lot I of crap. Visited it recently, so I can't talk about its quality. Uh, I did adult point. I revisited it probably like last year. I watched it and. Uh, picked up a lot more of the discrepancies that just like don't like things that just don't make any sense like why why would you do that why this doesn't make any sense Uh, just logical inconsistencies things like that um but uh movie at the end of the day exactly and it's fine it's 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 okay it's fun yes i'm happy with it just being fun um so that's national treasure um and i I think yeah it gets too much crap i think it's a great fourth of july film if you want to like sit in that revolutionary war history place Um, it's one you can watch like with your whole family that doesn't want to sit down to watch the patriot or one of these war films that are too old for them you can watch national treasure totally national treasure it's great for kids Um, and then uh, 1776. Uh, so this is one that not everyone has heard of. And I love it. I think it. So 1776 is a Broadway musical. There you go. It's turned into a film. Uh, if you've ever seen Boy Meets World, uh, Mr. Feeney, that actor plays John Adams. Uh, and there, I, there's just like iconic uh, song where they just like, are arguing about what the national bird should be. And in his Mr. Feeney voice, he just keeps saying the eagle. And so that will forever be legendary in my mind. Um, and it's it's basically one of the only films you have, like quality wise, that actually covers like the creation of the United States of America, like the writing of the Declaration of Independence. And I don't even think they get into the constitution and all that stuff. Um, maybe they do. I haven't seen it in a very long time. But it's fun. It's a musical. And it is uh, it is the original Hamilton. So if you really liked Hamilton, it is possible you will not like 1776 uh, because it is a totally different musical style and uh, is just a bunch of white dudes. Uh, but uh, also, um, if you liked the historical interest of Hamilton, then 1776 is kind of like the precursor to that. There's also another one called Bloody Bloody Andrew Jackson, but that one's like not as good. And it's, uh, it's yeah. Andrew Jackson's kind of a, a shitty president in history. Uh, Ryan on Twitter said that this is his favorite patriotic film that he watches every year with his nice. dad for Fourth nice. of July. So oh, good, yeah. I have not seen it. Sorry. Oh, uh, I think we'll have to sit down and watch it sometime. You should watch it this year for the Fourth of July. So there you go. Oh my God! All right, so that's the next thing on our list. <laughs> we we weren't sure if Hamilton should count as a movie. 
because it's basically a play that was filmed. Um, and Larry, you're talking about the Emmys also didn't know what to do. Yeah, with nobody, it. nobody knew what to do with Hamilton. Disney yeah. didn't really know where to push it. I mean, nobody knew. So it was just yeah. a big like, oh, what is this? <laughs> but Hamilton is arguably, I think of of those movies, I think Hamilton is probably my favorite. I, I think from a story coverage point, I, the story is great. I think Alexander Hamilton is a very interesting history in the uh, formation of the United States. I think his story is one of the best of the founding father stories. The only one who's story is better is Benjamin Franklin and I need a Benjamin Franklin musical soon that guy (laughs) is ridiculous let me tell you spreading syphilis all over Europe and the United States and making crazy amounts of inventions being the most productive human ever when I used to give my tours in Philadelphia there's Ben Franklin's grave and there is a plaque right next to his grave that just like lists his accomplishments from just select accomplishments throughout the course of his life. And if you ever want to feel like you are a failure of a human being, go look at uh, the plaque of the limited amount. It's like huge. There's like 50 things on there. I don't understand how there are that many items in a, in that man's life. I mean, he lived a really long time for that time period, but still he was like, he was like in his seventies when he died. It's not like he had that much extra time and he didn't even have electricity really. So Benjamin Franklin, um, but Alexander Hamilton also is very interesting, right? Cause he's got that immigrant background. Um, the other founding fathers for the most part were born in the, in the colonies. Um, but he came and yeah, he's got this great, uh, it's a great story of like having skill and talent, right? All the other founding fathers, they had money. Yeah. John Adams had like some money, but not really. He's uh, John Adams is like, a, but, but like, you know, Thomas Jefferson had money. George Washington had money. Like, so Alexander Hamilton is like this impressive sort of person because he, he really did literally come from nothing and then became this huge part of forming the United States and arguably the United States would not continue to exist without him and the work that he put into it. So Hamilton's story is incredibly inspiring. There's a reason that Lin-Manuel Miranda read Alexander Hamilton's biography and was like, I got to make a musical about this, (laughs) like inspired. And, and there's a reason why that musical is the, the zeitgeist that it is Um, because I think it crosses, it crosses these boundaries. I think it's got this amazing musical style, which we talked a little bit about in our very first episode um, that is super unique and sort of triggered people into this. Oh, wow, this is different. I really like this. Um, And I, I think it actually helps tell the story in a way that you don't get as much with m- lyrics in songs. I, I, because you are, because you're kind of um, confined to the structure of a song in a musical, you're not, you don't have the freedom. I think that Lin-Manuel Miranda creates with his way of yeah. writing hip hop songs that kind of like bounce through the points that he's trying to make and kind of create dialogue um, in these really, engaging ways (laughs) also everybody's an amazing singer and you gotta love the fact that like it's all of these people of color that are talking about founding the united states and you know they mentioned this like this immigrant story and it really has to start start to drive home this concept of like 
who who's responsible for what makes America? What makes America great? And it is the the mix of people that we have. Um, so yeah, Hamilton's easily my favorite like Revolutionary War thing as far as like movie media goes. But yeah. uh, you know, it is questionable whether or not it's like actually a like film. Yeah, but uh, yeah, it was. It came out Fourth of July last year. That's what I did for the Fourth of July. Was I Woo-hoo. sat. Watched it immediately on Disney Plus, and Larry needs to sit and watch it as well, so he knows what the rest of the world is talking about. Uh, Anyways, that's it for the patriotic films, because uh, that, that's about it. Um, there's some other stuff, uh, but nothing significant. Oh Dory. Yeah, there's my little chihuahua. She strongly disagrees with my assessments of what counts as a Fourth of July film. She'll tell you how she really feels. Yeah, she definitely will. <laughs> uh, she will tell you that she hates me for whatever reason. Yeah, every uh, time I come over, she is outraged that I just, exist in her. She state. senses that Rick is <laughs> That's present right. somewhere. She heard somehow. my voice. She's like, yeah. How dare so she's you over it. get out? Yes. Um, all right. So that's all. The, that's the official Fourth of July ones. That's where Ooh. we're at. So let's move into the more generally patriotic films um so this is where you get the legendary the fourth of july film of films independence day (laughs) yes independence day i mean i feel like even though it's a story about aliens invading earth um yeah when you think fourth of july movie of course it is titled independence day but (laughs) if it's not the first movie that pops into your head it's one of the first three that you would list off is independence day as a fourth of july movie (laughs) and you know roland emmerich you say what you will about him and the type of films he makes and what he ushered in uh, in terms of blockbusters but when he's good, his movies are really fun. And Independence Day is a perfect example of that. Is it great? Maybe not. Uh, it's not like an ode to filmmaking. It's no Citizen Kane. But it's a whole lot more fun than Citizen Kane ever was. And <laughs> <laughs> Who doesn't want to watch Will Smith beat up an alien? <laughs> not be- beat up an alien corpse. I think yeah. that's probably even better. <laughs> You know, you have who else is in here? Um, freaking is uh, it Vivica A. Fox? Vivica A. Fox. I was yeah. like, who is it? Vivica Killing A. Fox is so good in this movie. Ren's fave, Bill Pullman. Uh, Bill Pullman. <laughs> well, he's he's my fave because I did a play with him once. Yes, and his <laughs> iconic speech in this film. Yeah. <laughs> One of the most. I would say one of the most iconic movie speeches, really, of all time. Um, <laughs> and it's got that, and I think part of it, like, first of all, it's an amazingly, it's amazing speech altogether. Yeah. But I think there's something about Bill Pullman's, like, that gravelly voice. He's such a good president. I know lots of people who are like, that's the only president that I <laughs> believe should be ruling the yeah. the United States, running the United right. States. He's and the only one I recognize. It resurfaced, but I had already heard this, uh, I think a couple of years back, um, that 
Will Smith originally was not going to be cast because they were scared that a Black lead actor couldn't sell overseas. Uh, so they also oh. weren't going to pay for his like promotional tour uh, oh. even after the film. To go he pr- was such a big celebrity. And uh, clearly they were very wrong. And yeah, Will Smith was the late 90s superstar. Like, if there was a bankable actor in Hollywood, it was Will Smith at that time. He sold Wild Wild West. Speaking of Westerns, uh, he sold that (laughs) craziness. Uh, And he, again, you know, Will Smith, I think, doesn't get maybe as much credit as a dramatic actor as I think he deserves, because I do think he's a very good dramatic actor. But he really perfected just charismatic, fun-to-watch actor. Like he was just a joy to watch. And in this film, he was perfect. And who better represents America than Will Smith? Like he's, he does, he's, uh, yeah, right. He like, he did, he, he also did not come from money. He, uh, and listen, let me just preface this with, I don't believe in that bootstraps bullshit. I think there's like problems (laughs) with that mentality here in the United States. Which we'll talk about in the American dream section. But that doesn't change the fact that it's like inspiring when people start from next to nothing and they make will smith didn't just like make something of himself he like made several somethings of himself right like he was like i'm just gonna be a tv star and i'm going to be a music star and i'm going to be the highest paid actor and i'm going to then show you that i'm not just a comedic actor that i can also kill it as a dramatic actor and then i my most recent thing that i love is he got fat over the pandemic and he like put it on tiktok and was like i feel disgusting and now he's like working it out and he's showing us his process and like yes. I, that I mean, getting fat over the pandemic feels very american to me um who's and, more american you're right and he feels i i mean i feel like his children have like somehow something happened with his children where they are not in touch with reality but he always seemed to be very relatively down to earth he al- al- always seemed like he has a sense of uh where he came from i guess and just like he he's his children are a little whoo uh, i don't know he and jada pinkett i'm not sure what was going on uh with their parenting but um you know do your thing i guess yes uh, uh. <laughs> but yeah independence day it's fun it's a possibly Roland Emmerich's best film out of all of his big bombastic blockbuster. What are some of Roland Emmerich's other films? Like uh, The Day After Tomorrow, 2012, Independence Day Resurgence, which was nowhere near good. Um, and that was a uh, far cry from the first Independence Day. Um, when I did the play with Bill, that was, he was like flying out to go film the second Independence oh, Day. Okay. And it was like, oh, cool. And then it like came out and it was like oh, oh. whatever i mean okay you got a paycheck bill we, good on i you. would have preferred he made a sequel to space balls but that is not in the cards apparently i will say he, this about roland emmerich because of that second film as an openly gay director i wish he was a bit better at lgbtq representation in his big <laughs> bombastic blockbuster films yeah. um because it was not great in Resurrection or Resurgence, Resurgence, uh, when he did try it. But otherwise, 
you know, he, he, you know what you're getting when you're going into one of his films. Uh, and I think, unfortunately for him, the end of the world. <laughs> that's all he makes is the end of the world. And unfortunately for him, I think he peaked early. And here we are. But that seems common. Um, okay, so Independence Day, um, we have to agree, is amazing. Uh, great. So other patriotic films that i think most war films fall under the patriotic they thing. do they, so they're you, not surely about america but they're always pro-america through, yeah. through soldiers <laughs> so wait okay i was gonna say so before we get into the war films i wanted yes, to, yes. To, okay. to just well i guess it kind of counts oh. captain america right so that's not technically a war film but it is a little bit of war is. film I, say, I mean it yeah. takes place with the world war one backdrop uh-huh. and mm-hmm. he goes to war they literally are fighting in the war um for most of the film is it world war one or is it world war two i think it's world war two because the nazis isn't red skull a nazi no i mean he's hydra with no 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 i'm, I'm almost positive it's world war one Okay. Now, now, I, now you got to look it up. Yeah. Now we're going to be looking at. I'm pretty it up sure Red Skull Hydra was the Nazis. But. I mean, Hydra is like kind of an allegory, I do think, for a. Because Germans in World War One are like they just wear those weird helmets, and they were just, they're not they're not as scary in World War One as they were in World War Two. Let's so I went to the World War II museum in uh, New Orleans, which strangely enough, New Orleans, uh, their number one attraction is the World War II museum. It's not what you would have expected. Oh, but wow. uh, I learned a little bit more about uh, what was going on. Uh, oh, that, you're those right. men were insane. World War II. Yeah. Yeah. It's 1942. Uh, yeah. My bad. The Nazis bad. are terrifying. Uh, and the <laughs> Hitler was, uh, I mean, obviously, I, I don't know why I need to say this. Hitler was a madman he was out of his mind but he was like losing the war and he was just like he was just like conscripting nine-year-olds into military service which is crazy and then jeeps sorry i'm just like duh they had vehicles in captain america like a jeep <laughs> that's right. <laughs> You're like, oh yeah, yeah, definitely yeah, World War no. Two. Anyway, well, that's right. Nobody cares about World War One. It's no. that's why uh, Tom Hanks had to well, do because, like a whole thing about World, World War One. He was like, we don't have a memorial or anything. Well, that's the problem. Is World War One, particularly when it comes to America, our involvement in World War One is very trivial. Um, in the fact of like, it's very weird how we got involved. Yeah. The entire First World War is also just like has people being like, this really shouldn't have ever been. I don't know. It's, it's like it's, it doesn't have a common enemy. Yeah, yeah. we have the Germans. Yeah. But, but yeah, but, mm, yeah, <laughs> but like World War Two, it was like you have these very clear, like absolutely insane enemies. So I mean, you have the Nazis, right? And that's like terrifying. But this is the I didn't I didn't know as much about Japan. But apparently, their leader they like respected like a god, and they were like the they they when they invaded people, it wasn't just the kamikaze pilots. It was like he had he had the entire country. He had like said it's like the it was like some a, a million people, thirteen million people, or whoever however many people were living on in Japan at that point either will win all together or die all together. That's insane. I can't believe there wasn't that. Like, how do you fight a war against an entire group of people that, uh, that are, would rather die than concede defeat, Um, which I didn't understand. Like I didn't understand the like extent of that insanity. Uh, But one of my favorite things that I learned, and this is like little yay America thing about world war two. 
is that uh, basically uh, when we first got involved in World War II, we were like, uh, we like fucked around a little bit and like kind of like messed up and we like had a really hard time. And it was like, ha ha ha, the Americans, all they can produce are refrigerators and microwaves. And we were like, ha ha ha, fuck you. Watch us fucking manufacture. And we basically manufactured our way into winning the war we just like we had such a intense means of production and everybody rallied so hard like we, we just we were producing so much stuff already and then just when we shifted all of our factories over we were just like behind and uh, you know one of the interesting things is i think uh i think japan one of the dumbest things that happened in world war ii was japan bombing the united states because when they did right and then we can talk about pearl harbor which is a nightmare of a film but um that was one of the dumbest things that the japanese did because basically that got us involved in the war way sooner and if they if we had if we had not gotten involved when we did they might have taken much it might they might have taken over much more they would have been way more ahead of us in terms of manufacturing but because they came at us we ramped up our production and we started building all of these things and all of these 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 planes and these new types of bombs and things that basically we ended up like out producing the the axis powers so if they would have just we left it alone <laughs> they i think there's like a quote about how the japanese were like i think we might have woken up a sleeping giant yeah yeah, yeah. fuck yeah you did so um, that was my like yay america moment for world yeah. war ii but it's um, wonder woman that's set in world war one my bad oh yes they are very <gasps> thematically on the list larry <laughs> well he is that's another weird one i mean it's it's like america british like because it's like british intelligence yeah. it's another weird one with america and wonder woman's technically not american scaring, but that's an immigrant the, right? those two there's backdrops are so similar yet they're not even about the same war captain yeah. america the fourth soldier and uh wonder woman but my bad Got but yeah it. so i think captain america is probably the best a superhero has done at like really being pro-America. Yeah. But it, it did show a little bit of the like ridiculousness of some of the war. And obviously it led Captain America down a much different type of patriot path that I did enjoy his character going in later films. Mm -hmm. But in this first one, you know, he's very much convinced of the American cause and uh -huh. what he's fighting for and all of that fun yeah. jazz. And it's, it's, <laughs> <laughs> Which makes sense, right? Because at that at that point in time, it was very it was much more clear than it got as America kind of moved on. It was like it the imminent danger of the Nazis and the Japanese. Uh, well, I, I I know technically Italy was like part of the Axis powers, but they kind of like crapped up pretty freaking early. <laughs> we like in landed in Sicily, and we were like, "Hey guys." <laughs> and then like I mean, that's what's just funny is like France and Italy doing exactly the same thing in both wars like France getting sacked early on <laughs> and then Italy like noticing that they're on the losing side and jumping ship uh, and being like ah 
Okay. <laughs> this is one of my other favorite stories about World War II. So there's this thing called the Maginot Line. And basically after World War I, when France got like totally sacked, they were like, you're not going to do this to us again. And they like fortified this entire like border with Germany. And they were like, oh, you're not going to come through. And Germany was like, okay. And then they like invaded Belgium and then just came in through another country. And so, it's like, so I think that's a great description for the wall that the um, <laughs> they want to build on the border with mexico like great build a wall like they can't get around it or over it or under it or fly over here in a plane it's just um it's a magino line again Um, that conversation and green card expiration being one of the heaviest contributors to quote unquote illegal immigration yeah it's a different story but yes so captain america the first avenger I, I really enjoy it. I think it's not one of my favorite Marvel films per se, but I think I think it really I, captures the moment and captures that essence of I Captain yeah. I, when I first saw it, I don't think I really paid attention very well. And then I watched it a second time. I was like, oh, I really like this one. This is actually really good. And I liked Captain America a lot more. Um, and I will say it's also a great like patriotic film because so like captain america is chosen because because he is a good person and that is like that captain america is america at at its best basically is like when america is genuinely fighting for freedom and equality and what is right and good in the world that that is what i'm I think that's what makes his his arc in the MCU, sorry, the MCU tangent, so good is that he continues to be that even when America itself and the the powers that be are not that. So in the later films, he goes rogue uh, because he still holds that ideal to to his core and America is no longer holding that to their core. And he realizes, oh, I'm not fighting for the, the side that I agree with any longer. So, and that's all set up here really well and mm-hmm. establishes that heart to the character that carries on through the rest of his mm-hmm. arc. So, and yeah. then we watch uh, we watch a uh, Winter Soldier and the uh, Falcon, Falcon, and we learn so much more about. <laughs> Yeah, just what being Captain America means <laughs> and what happens when you just hand a lunatic a, a shield yes. and you don't uh, make a conscious decision about who should wield the shield, who needs the super serum, who can can be trusted with that kind of strength and power. Um, but anyways, that's not a movie, so we're not going to get into it any further. Anyways, um, so, so those are good. into war films through Captain yes. America. Yes. So um, you had a war film on there yes. that you so, really liked. I love, so that I had two. One dealing, once again, with one of the world wars with Saving Private Ryan. Mm-hmm. Steven Spielberg classic, obviously, another award-winning mm-hmm. film. Where In the 90s, where Steven Spielberg was probably at his most prolific, um, of course, we had earlier films that are classics of his but just the 90s he he basically didn't miss it was just like instant classic after instant classic after instant classic throughout the 90s and he was an awards darling on top of a blockbuster darling in the decade and it kind of caps <laughs> that's off. what you want as a producer <laughs> yeah, i mean you winning me awards and making me money heck yeah, yeah, yeah. We have 
Jurassic Park and Schindler's List within a year's time? Yes, that's what we want to happen. <laughs> uh, but then he kind of capped off the decade, late 90s, with Saving Private Ryan, one of the many times we are trying to save Matt Damon. Uh, and one of, these, uh, <laughs> one of the very many times Matt Damon needs people to come and find him and save him in film. Wait, wait, wait. Which other ones are? Uh, this is a thing. Well, uh, clearly, what it, what yeah, other times are there? It's like it's the Martian, and what, oh yeah, what's uh-huh. the other? There's another really evident one that I'm like blanking on right now. There's like a whole meme about it. Matt Damon needing to just be constantly saved. needing to be saved. Um, but I think this is one of my favorite war <laughs> films. Oh, Interstellar. Oh yes, another one where he's out there needing to be saved. He's just um, got such a cute face; you just want to save it. It's yeah, adorable. He really does have that like sweet little dude face, especially especially in the late nineties. Uh, he was yeah. very like cute, also very like American boy next door, right? He's got yeah. that that look going for him for sure. Yeah, we have some great performances, obviously here. With all right, my brain just went to the fact that in the Patriot, uh, you just have two Australians playing uh, main characters. (laughs) At least you have that here, Ren. It's mostly Americans, I believe, in Saving Private Ryan playing American soldiers. I I liked Saving Private Ryan. I don't remember like a lot about it. Um, I do. I do remember like what I liked about Saving Private Ryan is the fact that they do spend a lot more time with the characters themselves. It's less about the war, War. which I just generally. Yeah, I'm generally less interested in the war than I am in like the characters. And, and I think and, that's what I love yeah. is that Saving Private Ryan does really, obviously it's kind of in the title itself. It really focuses on the bond of the soldiers and yeah. that bond you make, that like brotherhood or whatever that you make in in war, uh, unfortunately, but as, as a tight-knit group. And I think it kind of shows that level of patriotism more than just straight up like flag-waving war mm-hmm. type of America mm-hmm. wins. And I also had Glory, which focuses on the Civil War. Um, and this is kind of floats the line of the American dream slash just straight up patriotism, but it's about the Civil War. It's about slaves having to fight literally for their own freedom uh, in the Civil War <laughs> and taking up arms. Uh, so I'm Denzel Washington and an underrated performance from here. Matthew Broderick is in here. Um, but <laughs> Young Matthew Broderick. Baby Matthew. Like baby. Just, just post Ferris Bueller, are, Matthew yeah, Broderick. Both of them are babies. Like Denzel looking real fresh-faced in this film as well. It's a long one, uh, as Ren pointed out. Yeah, like, when I first brought it up. He told me he put Gloria that I was like glory like that four hours of a war film <laughs> it's very long um but it's always nice and this is one of the first i think times we've gotten a couple more instances recently but this was like what late 80s version of showing some of the first black soldiers in america mm-hmm. and what that looked like for black people to be fighting and we've we've revisited that with something like defy bloods last year really talked about you know fighting for a country that doesn't accept you and what really that feels like but um i think it was it was really just kind of a groundbreaking film in that sense and one of the few films that does focus on black soldiers (laughs) yeah in times when they weren't accepted by the country that they were fighting for and in this case fighting for their own freedom yeah. yeah. Uh that's the the uh, so that's actually uh 
I was actually just thinking you said that and I was like, you know, that would be one of the awesome things that uh, they could do in terms of like a film is they could actually create um, movies about the the black soldiers that were involved in the Revolutionary War. Um, I'm actually currently trying to find the name because I am embarrassed that I keep on saying I should know the name of this person. So uh, there was this badass. Uh, so okay, so here's the thing: uh, in the Revolutionary War, uh, the uh, the British uh, actually offered to basically free any slaves that would fight for the British. So obviously a lot of uh, black people, uh, reasonably so, uh, decided to fight for the British. Um, there apparently were, I've, I've read this other places too, there apparently were also like Northern uh, brigades that did something similar, uh, but uh, for the most part, uh, a decent amount of them were actually um, fighting for the British. Uh, but there is this one guy, oh my God, I need to find his name and it's not, I'm not coming up. Um, so there is this one guy who uh is he's a slave and he uh ends up fine he set he basically is a spy for the revolutionary the revolutionary war he uh he tells them that he's joining the british and uh since he's black they think that he can't read or write but uh he is actually a educated slave uh and he can read and he reads all of the battle plans that the general just left out on the table and then gave all that information to the uh the american soldiers and basically won the war he, he was pivotal story why where's that that needs to because america i know so we need we need to make a movie about this we basically want here's here's the fuckery of this film right or this film this story the fuckery of this story is after the war he uh is supposed to be getting granted freedom for you know helping us win it uh and they're like nah and they just like send him back to the south to slavery and he ends up like going to court over and over again trying to get them to honor this agreement that was made that he should be given his freedom and they don't finally give him his freedom until the goddamn marquis de lafayette this war hero from france comes back from france and goes to the judge and says this guy is the reason that we won the war he is <laughs> do anything and everything that he asks for in return for what he did to help us win the war and then he finally gets his freedom so that would be a sick ass movie um and i think we should do it and yeah. i don't know why i don't know the name of the person and um <sighs> Uh, it's embarrassing, uh, but we should all know this name. Anyways. I mean, the fact, I mean, I, we shouldn't be surprised because Harriet Tubman just got a film, you know, like an iconic figure such as Harriet Tubman just got a feature length film for the first time. So minor people of color are, are not getting the films. Sorry. So his name was uh, James and he, because the Marquis de Lafayette is the person who finally shows up and like make sure he gets freed, he ends up changing his last name to Lafayette. So his name is James Lafayette. So that is, we should make a film about James Lafayette and you should all read his story and learn about it. Um, but anyways, other than uh, World War Lori, II, I think it's between World War II and the Civil War probably that have been explored the most through film. Again, because 
I think there's something to grasp onto there. Uh, obviously, Nazis and Hitler himself are, mm. are a good villain <laughs> for a story, for a movie type of story. And slavery as a villain institution is yeah. a good villain and you yeah. can make any slave owner a yeah. good villain for your story yeah. so i think those two have been two of the most explored um obviously there's still a, there's still a lot of work to do with the civil war because it has still been mostly told through a really white lens how mm -hmm. we've done it and a lot of celebrating northern white people um at, in in their role in, in ending slavery um so it's not been the best representation of the Civil War itself, but, you know, we even have something like uh, Lincoln, which is uh, an Academy Award winning film, Daniel J. Lewis, uh, mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, obviously with Abraham Lincoln and, and his ideals. A little bit of a sanitized version, I'd say, of the history of what what Abraham Lincoln was doing all of this for and why he did what he did. Uh, it's part of it, but also, you know, he, he wasn't a holier than thou figure that I think all of us like to think of him as. But so, do we have any other uh, good patriotic films on our list that we wanted to talk about? Because I want to move oh. into the like bad ones. Yeah, so I, I'll just mention it, a cute little animated film that Ooh. nobody watched except oh. just a couple of I haven't even there. seen it, but I know the story and it's yes. so cute and it's perfect. <laughs> so Sergeant Stebby is this little animated film about Based a, on a true story. Yes, about this little dog who is a meddled Medal of Honor level soldier who goes into war and saves all these people. He wasn't even like really supposed to be there. Um, but the what was the thing that he did? He like he could smell something. Like he could smell. Yeah, he would like smell out something within like with the people and was responsible for saving like a ton of right? soldiers' lives. And I'm like, I'm forgetting. It has. I haven't watched it since the year it was released, which was a couple of years ago. Actually, grab yeah. my little. I think I remember like reading the um the like Wikipedia about it. Yeah, so it was during God. World War World War One. Um, see, he uh, says that he comforted the wounded. Yes, uh, and he really. once caught a German soldier by the seat of his pants, holding him there <laughs> until American soldiers found him. Yeah. Um. Wow. Uh. He's called the most decorated war dog of the Great yeah. War. Um, and he was the only dog to be nominated and promoted to sergeant through combat. Wow. Isn't there also an um, animated movie about pigeons during the war? Uh, I think there's something about pigeons. <laughs> so uh, I only bring this up because I went to the American Pigeon Museum. If you guys have caught on, I go to a lot of museums. Uh, but the Amer uh, I, you should go. It's in Oklahoma City and it's amazing. And there's like these stories of these pigeons. So pigeons have these amazing ability to just like fly back to their home from mm -hmm. forever away, yeah. like thousands and thousands and thousands of miles away. And they have, they have great stories. why they were carrier. Yeah, so they were this, and so like before, you know, this is actually during like more like World War One. So before we had like you know telephone lines and, and telegraphs yeah. things, this was also like a really secure way to send things. But like, there's these stories of these freaking decorated pigeons that like flew through battlefields <laughs> to deliver like yeah. these amazing these the messages that they needed to win the the battle. Like it's yeah. 
I get goosebumps thinking about the pigeons. Oh my gosh. You know, I have a thing for the pigeons. I just think they're cute. I'm like this lone person in the world is like, oh, pigeons. And everybody's out like, those are (laughs) are flying rats. What are you? I mean, I like pigeons too. I think they're much maligned. Um, I love most animals. Much maligned. But yeah, so Sergeant Animal Lover overall. It's like a short movie. It's only 84 minutes long. Um, The animation, I mean, it's not like Pixar level animation. It's a small studio who champions this film like these they were so passionate about it so it's, oh. a, it's a lesser animation if you will but we don't anamorphize anim- oh my gosh we don't personify anthropomorphize them. thank you uh sergeant <laughs> stubby he is a dog i mean Good. he has a couple like cute little looks but he doesn't talk or he doesn't Good. do anything that's like too wild or you crazy. know how i hate <laughs> when the animals talk i actually don't mind it when they're fully animated yeah, i really don't like when the animals talk and they're no. supposed to be realistic he's just so cute and it's such a cute story and a cute story i think your kids will love to see this little dog this little true story of this dog they show pictures of stubby be himself obviously at the end of the film so yes I think that's a a great uh movie to especially for younger kids I think it's a great film to show them so I saw the um I saw the movie I found the movie about the pigeons it's called Valiant have you seen that oh oh, oh, yes 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 I was like I know it sounds familiar and it's got yeah it's got uh I guess Ricky Gervais just one of the boys and Ewan McGregor and Tim Curry it actually sounds great and I'm like I think this might be my fourth of July film to watch this and that this terrible, and <laughs> the terrible, it's, I think it's just called revolutionary. And it's, uh, it's, uh, this, I read about it. It was so bad that El Pacino left acting for five years and there was questions about whether or not he would ever return. And now I like have to see this film. Um, so, uh, that might be my 4th of July picks um so bad ones okay so this is i like really needed to bring this one up abraham lincoln vampire killer <laughs> is so freaking bad it's upsetting i loved the book i like picked it up i was like what the hell is this this is amazing i just thought it would be like a fun read but actually the book does a really good job of tying the vampires in with the war and like the vampires are like a big part of the the southern uh basically okay so the whole thing is that most of the slave owners in um the south are vampires and slavery basically sustains the vampire population in the colonies in the united states um and so that is like a part of what leads abraham lincoln to become a vampire killer and eventually like he starts as a as a vampire slayer and he just becomes the president like by accident in this story and it's got it's like pretty historically accurate and it kind of like works with everything in the book and like and it's like it's really interesting to say oh yeah 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 i could i totally buy this southern blood-sucking slave owners that sounds i mean it's obviously supernatural but like it it sounds like a good allegory right it Mm -hmm. like works and then freaking abraham lincoln vampire killer was garbage just hot bad cgi'd poorly executed garbage that like (laughs) didn't touch on the civil war itself like at all oh my it was absolute garbage and damn it was a shame because the book was actually really good so it sounded um, so stupid and then it turned out to be so stupid yeah yeah. and it's a and it's a shame because the book was actually really really entertaining and really good and like from a historical standpoint was like oh wow this is like 
fairly accurate. This is like it covers it covers like the that that famous debate he had when he was becoming a senator and like yeah. ties it all into this. I love a historical fiction that like takes the fiction and actually ties it in with real history. Yeah. I think that that is the trick, right? Not not to just make something up, but set in a historical time period, but to like teach you a little bit of something about history and tie it in with something fun like vampires um but yeah so they ruined it ruined it it's horrible and um don't don't ever don't ever watch it um the next bad one Mm -hmm. is one that we agree on pearl harbor oh yes we both have this on our list yeah that one's that one's very bad i just i mean if you know me you know i'm not a big romance person and pearl harbor is a bombastic romance it just is like it just it's very strange to me to tell the story of Pearl Harbor through a romance like this. I don't know. With Ben Affleck, not. It was also like this very clear ripoff of Titanic. Like it was very clear that it was trying to just like ride the Titanic train and it failed miserably because. And knows I love Kate Beckinsale. I love her. Oh, pro- I probably would go through the through the war for Kate. Yeah. <laughs> I would I would love to find out. I've noticed this strange phenomenon of people in Colorado are like really into Kate Beckinsale. And I don't know what that's about. Uh, I'm not saying that she's not a gorgeous human being, but like they're specifically all about Kate Beckinsale. So if anybody has any information about what is going on with Colorado and Kate Beckinsale, would love to find out. I understand um, it, Dan. I, I know why you would go through all of this trouble, but it's just this. Uh, so what is it? Is it Josh Hartnett is the, the friend, yeah, right? And yeah. Ben Affleck is the boyfriend that goes to war and yeah, is vanishes. War, yeah. And then she has to like, choose between the two yeah. of them because she's fallen in love with both that's what, and, i mean and that's my big problem yeah is it focuses on this love triangle love story thing instead of the instead of war that's happening around Pearl them? harbor okay. <laughs> instead of the actual yeah. fact the event that's real thing named our title film after yes. uh which is very traumatic and very like again very significant in the scheme of yeah. world war ii um as i said when they woke the sleeping giant <laughs> And it's it's like really cheesy. It's not, it's not Titanic. It's nowhere near like as good as Titanic. It doesn't have the romantic. We don't have any like Rose top of the world moments or draw me like your French girl. We don't have any of those iconic moments here. It's just, it's cheesy and ridiculous. Honestly, it's ridiculous. I just can't, I can't with Fort Harbor. Um, And then moving into the final one, which uh, I think is a hot take, Top Gun. I think Top Gun is not a good film. I will. I do think that Top Gun is an entertaining film, but it's entertaining in that like bad good way. Like it's absurd. It's a it's a full on absurd, absurd, ridiculous. I like the word he used bombastic. (laughs) Ridiculous film through and through just like all like i think i the part i always remember is like him like speeding around and cutting off traffic to like and like nearly killing someone to like show the lady that he's into her or something i don't know it was like the whole romance like 
I didn't buy the romance part of Top Gun. It didn't make any sense. I don't know. So just Top, love Gun. Tom Cruise being like the bad boy, cool guy. That's what I America guess. loved then for <laughs> sure. Very, very silly, silly, silly film. And uh, you were asking yeah. me how I feel about the sequel. And I, I don't feel a lot of things about it. I think mainly it might be fun to see it. Okay, so there, for me, there are two options. Uh, it will be terrible or they will find a way to take the absurdity that made the first one charming uh, and put it into the sequel without necessarily being too self-aware. I think it's going to be a really, I think it's going to be a really tricky balance. I think, I think my bet is that it's going to be bad, but I think they, they, there is a shot if they can figure out, it seems to me like Top Gun is one of those like, random magic things it's like it, it ju had just the right combination of things in it that worked together to keep it entertaining even though it wasn't really very good overall yeah. um, it had like the right actors the right time it had the right music and the right like i don't know just an, it like worked for that time period i think i think there's certainly lots of like 90s films that have that same level of like this is ridiculous and doesn't make any sense yeah. um so i don't know how that will translate to a modern era we'll have yeah. to see i had a couple in this like little patriotism thing that weren't war related i have the sequels to olympus has fallen with london has fallen and angel has fallen the gerard butler franchise that won't die uh that keeps going <laughs> i believe but, gerard but, butler is making movies still i had no idea uh, yeah he <laughs> keeps making disaster films much like roland emmerich all of his films seem to do with the end of the world but <laughs> with your can only make a disaster then <laughs> Yeah, it's always about Americans, him going into other countries and like saving them. Yeah. Things. So when it was in Washington, I was cool because he was just like a bodyguard saving the president. And it was fine. It was a fun little movie. But then when he starts going to London and to all these other countries and like saves them and they're highly stereotypical, especially with Middle Eastern people, which I don't love. It's a problem I have with American Sniper as well. Uh, it's very villainous when it comes to the Middle East in Clint Eastwood fashion. Um, plus that like horrible baby that turned into a meme. We can make fun of that all day long, but it has a lot of problematic stuff there. And then Clint Eastwood also did it with 1915 or 1715 or whatever. It was 1517 to Paris, which was terrible across the board, terrible. But he used the real people whose story it was and just put them in the movie. Uh, and they were terrible. Like they were not even partially good actors at all um and it would have a nomad land situation working out there no. yeah kind of except uh they were the leads and who we focused on the whole time we had no francis mcdormand so <laughs> i was like no put them as a cameo clint that's how you respect them and pay homage put them as a cameo don't cast them as themselves like this is outrageous but it was another story of like going into paris and the americans like saving the people you don't even have like good french people in that film so that's where i think it goes wrong when we send Americans out to the world and save everyone in other countries and all of their own people are just like yeah. on the periphery being saved by Americans and cheering us on. That That's is how you do patriotism wrong. Definitely a trip. What was that uh, Martin Scorsese film that just came out that that was basically what happened? He, um, he got sent to China. I, I, actually, my first thought was The Last Samurai. That's 
a weird, that is a very weird film. Uh, slash Seven Years in Tibet. This is actually a very common trope of the American that goes, yeah, it's usually a white guy that does that. And typically, they just ignore because, yes, uh, some of these are based on true stories and true people, but they mm-hmm. just ignore the contributions from the hosting country. Like, yeah. none of these people just came in here and did all of this on their own. They had help from that government and those people who live there. Yes, but will Americans it. pay to see a movie about <laughs> collaborative a <American> hero? Never. <laughs> Yeah, so, all right so no thank you speaking of bad films um oh no we're not we're not getting there quite yet sorry we we don't want to get into the anti-americans the yeah we want to go back to the positive um and we want to focus on those uh Ameri- those those films that exemplify the american dream that are um you know not necessarily patriotic but they're a little bit about um what makes america good what what makes America, watching America grow, um, stories that are like inspiring and very American. Um, so I think uh, one of the big ones that we had right at the top was, uh, this. we actually kind of created this category for a league of their own. Um, Cause it's, it's not like a, it's not really patriotic. It's not a war film. It's but definitely it's not, not baseball. And what's more American than baseball? That's true. Baseball's super American. <laughs> and uh, it's, you know, it takes place during World War II. So they're World definitely II. dealing with what it's like. It, you, you know, it, you, like I was talking about World War II and basically like the manufacturing, that was all women that like rolled in and like took all the spots that all the men that went off to war were doing. And there really isn't a lot of films that are focused on women during World War II and what we were doing at home because we weren't allowed to go to the war uh, unless we were nurses, we were allowed to do that. But they also don't make any films about uh, the nurses in World War II. Um, But A League of Their Own is one of the only things that you get where you get anything about what women were doing back home and and what they were doing that mattered how it how it was still important um to the war effort and it's just it's just such a good food it's another bill pullman film it's only there for like a hot second but um hilarious it's so funny it's tom hanks (laughs) at like his funniest and his most uh, yeah, I, I actually Tom Cruise is is just Tom Cruise. Tom Hanks in this film is actually kind of it's a little off his normal game, right? He's usually very kind and sweet, and man, he is a grumpy d bag in this film. And yes, he it's is. Like, he's still charming, yes. but damn, is he funny? Um, yeah, I also, yeah, and you know, you just. I love Madonna in this film. Yeah. It's one of the only times that I enjoy Madonna acting on screen. Yeah, um, she's great. She's so good. It's that like it's like that role is perfect for Madonna. Yeah. That's basically the only char- type of character she should be playing. Yeah. Um. I mean, she's a different woman now. I imagine she could probably play something else. But at that time period, that was like that was so her. Rosie O'Donnell. Oh my God, love yeah. the lesbian Rosie O'Donnell before Funny. she'd come out, and she was clearly a lesbian in that film, but. <laughs> We're not going to. We about couldn't that. do that yet. We, we weren't there yet. Oh, and there's the, there's the there's the like ugly girl, which is like uh, that's like a little bit problematic. But oh dang, yeah. like her little her little story where she's the guy who's like super into her and it's, it's just so sweet and yes. yeah yeah. And, so, and yeah, like you said, it's important because it is one of the few films mm-hmm. out there that shows women mm-hmm. doing something and how they had to fill these new roles. Mm-hmm. Um, 
while men were out fighting and, and killing. Who doesn't cry in that film? Monsters. That's who. That's it's it's an absolute tearjerker. So, anyways, a league of their own. We're putting that at the top of our American dream type films. Um, Another then, one about women doing things. We said the uh, hidden hidden figures. figures. Yes, that one's great. Uh, and it's an it's a newer one, and it was um, it's part of this uh, this wonderful new wave in film where they were like, hey, there's black people. Let's make films about them and and cast them in films. And we're very excited about that. I think uh, it is a problem that it it seems to be a fad i'm hoping it's not a fad uh, and that it continues on and that we you know incorporate stories of lots of different types of people because uh, like i said that is what makes america great is the fact that we are not just this one group of homogenous people yeah. that have kind of like all lived in the same area forever we're like a bunch of people from all over the world and we have all different types of backgrounds and um we need more movies that are not just about white people and their white person experience. Um, and Hidden Figures is an amazing story. Like, I'm like upset it wasn't made sooner because it's just an amazing story. Like, that yeah. is kick ass. That's kick ass. This black woman who's smarter than everyone else basically yeah. gets us to the moon. Like, yeah. why didn't I know this already? Yeah. There's lots of reasons. Yes, we don't need but... to get into all of them right now. And I love that it made her kind of like a celebrity because she's still alive. And uh, that's another thing. I'm so glad at yeah. the very least she it was made that. before she yeah. passed away. She's, she's quite and, old. And I will say, but... I'm also glad that it was made with those actresses because I think oh, they were all so just so good. Oh my God. Taraji B. Henson for me is just like, <laughs> to be to say a cliche, cliche she's a revelation <laughs> but uh, I, I had not watched uh the empire that yeah. she was in That's yeah so, uh, people loved her in that i didn't watch the show so the first like real exposure i had to her was in um hidden figures and i was like oh my god this one's great she's amazing Jean-Lanae is great Jean-Lanae Jean-Lanae is her. we love yeah. always <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that was that's a kick ass roster of actresses, just period. Period. Um, and yeah, it was amazing. There's a little bit of that, like Kevin Costner, white yeah. savior thing. I, I think to a point, you have to, I think to a point, it's fair to point out that, like, at some point, white people have to use their privilege when it's, uh, you know, in those uh, yeah. people have, have to use At their, their privilege. To, uh, yeah. Well, just in general, like white people yeah. should be using their privilege to help other people that are being oppressed, that are being limited wherever possible. So to that extent, I'm like, OK, that, then maybe yeah. that's a, a fair example. Um, but yeah, I, I I it doesn't center on the Kevin Costner character no. at all. Um, and he's still kind of an a-hole for the most part yeah. like you're still kind of like eh, i don't really like him but you know what we have to use him so let's <laughs> it's just like that one scene that's a little bit ridiculous of like knocking down the signs of like colored and non-colored or whatever yeah. for the bathroom. that's the one like oh okay we went calm down uh, it's a little <laughs> bit down, this is a little bit feel goody but we're, we're okay uh, um, but we um, also want to talk about a really new one uh with minari Oh, yeah. This one I wanted to talk about in the American Dream section, because Mm -hmm. honestly, I think it's the best depiction of like 
an American immigrant story I probably have ever seen personally. I think it's so well done of, I mean, it, it exemplifies the American dream. That's what the whole movie is about. <laughs> yeah. And I think you and I talked about this, that like it was put in the, it was put in the categories for foreign films. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It was, it was like a whole thing because it was, Hollywood because it wrestling. wasn't in English. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Yeah, it was like half is- English, half it is the most Korean. American film. It was easily one of the most American films of the year, but yeah. it's, it's so America. It's nothing but American. It's <laughs> literally an American story that that story would not happen in another country. I'm maybe Canada. I don't know, but like, you know, like that, but it, it's, they're farmers and they're, yeah. they're trying to build a life. They're that bootstraps thing. <laughs> and I think this is one of the better jobs of actually like pointing out the bullshit of that bootstraps, yeah. like mentality of like, you can try, you can work your ass off to pull up those bootstraps and you can still have everything go I up mean. in flames and just Literally. over and over and other things <laughs> happen. Just nonstop stuff. That's not necessarily in your control. Right. Like, uh, yeah, it, yeah, and it's a great like. Um, I also think there's something about I. I don't know. So there's something about the family dynamic that feels very American, and I don't know. I think that there is something about uh, family in general that is an American sort of like mm-hmm. concept almost. And it was a really interesting I, yeah. this one particular because you had like the little boy who definitely was pulling more toward American than like Korean, mm-hmm. uh, and that kind of like little bit of a cultural clash uh, that I know, you know, obviously so many immigrants can relate to with their kids. Uh, your kid is brought up from a very young age in America. They mm-hmm. they have a weird like cultural navigation system. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I think the film is, is one of the, as you said, it's a great ex- exemplary job of showcasing the American dream for what it really is. The the grime and the dirt of it all. And for most people, the majority y'all, the American dream does not happen. That bootstrap bullshit does not happen. And trust me, most people are out here working pretty dang hard and will never get to that bootstrap top of the line type Mm -hmm. of thing. Absolutely. Sorry about it. Uh, it was a myth created by the rich. So there you go. Anyway. <laughs> to keep you just struggling at the bottom and going, well, I don't want any laws to get passed that <laughs> might impact me once I am a millionaire because I'm working so hard to get there. Yeah, it's a trick. It's a trick. Um, but uh, in addition to Minari as an immigrant tale, um, I would also like to bring up an American tale, our next animated American film. I loved this movie as a child actually to be honest with you i remember like laughing my ass off as a child watching um, five will goes west specifically i don't know it was dom deluise's cat like freaking out that seemed to just like tickle my fancy i think if i watched it again as an adult would not find it nearly as funny but i remember loving it and also somewhere out there it's so good and it's another one that really i don't know it shows like a, a little bit of a more somber side when you get yeah. to that but it shows a really diverse idea of america i think mm-hmm. which is weird to say when you're dealing like with these little animals running around talking living their lives but mm-hmm. i think it shows a very interesting uh, side of yeah. diversity it, uh, to america. it's a much um it's a much more um it's a much sweeter side of the immigrant tale of that particular time period than, say, other films like The Godfather. 
um which i love obviously i'm italian i'm all about it but um <laughs> it's, also like, it's also very weird larry to be an italian person and like the mafia is the thing that we're like known for in all of culture <laughs> Woo, we <laughs> created an entire club of men that murder <laughs> really well and not Yay. so well and that's like the italian really american story that the is mafia. the Ita i know oh man oh man that's the thing to be addressed anyways um but yeah so uh i love american tale i think it's very sweet and cute and i i think somewhere out there is like one of the best like children's like songs it's just yeah, like yeah. breaks your little heart um okay american so you can go awry uh, where yes so let's uh so while we're talking about the american dream let's talk about um some of the more uh questionable movies uh so that are like about the american dream about america about like what's going on um i think, I think the, the white savior trope Yes, we talked about that dream. a little bit in general, um, which we really kind of wanted to <laughs> Green Book and Driving Miss Daisy, which are basically interchangeable. Yeah, might as well. Um, just, it's a bit of a redundant statement almost to a, say both they of them. They flip flopped titles. the races. They did flip flop. See, it's races. a white guy driving a black <laughs> yeah. guy instead of the other way around. <laughs> so it's progress. It's but both not. of them, uh, particularly, I would say Green Book does kind of tried to say something about American Dream a little bit more because he is the one being driven around whereas Morgan Freeman's character is just a chauffeur uh, so he's not really aspiring to that dream in any way like Mahershala Ali in Green Book is is making something of himself in a way uh but <laughs> Mahershala Ali is amazing he's amazing. very good in the film and he he got an Oscar for that one too yeah, yeah. He deserves the actor. He deserves the Oscar. Anytime he's nominated, he's amazing. Um, I, I was just thinking, I was like, also, this is another movie where it's like, this is the reputation of Italian Americans that I get. Jesus. Like, ugh. he's he's a bigot. And like the message is that bigots just need to 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 hang out with black people and they can learn about each other and then they won't be bigots anymore and you know i a long time i understand that like i understand right cities are tend to be less racist they tend to be more progressive because it's lots of different people that are all jumbled up together and we all have to learn how to live with each other whereas if you're living in a neighborhood where you only see people of one color all the time you, it's much easier for you to other humans Everyone that don't else. look exactly like you. Yeah. So I understand that to a point and I absolutely like I get from a psychological perspective, like part of it is just like a lack of empathy and you need to learn empathy. But like, I just don't like Green Book just makes the shitty bigot out to be a hero. Yeah. Which I think is the problem. Um, they give, yeah, they have like a lot of unlikable moments with Mahershala Ali early yeah. as in his character and his demeanor to um, Viggo Mortensen. So, and they kind of make Viggo out to be this lovable oaf type of person right from the get-go, uh, really characterized him that way, even when he is in full-on like bigot mode. Mm -hmm. um, so their characterizations right from the get-go, you're kind of like, hmm. This feels weird. This doesn't feel good. And then, yeah, as we move through, it doesn't, I don't know, you know, any sort of, this is like the worst type of white savior moment. And then you learn that the, you know, 
uh, Mahershala's character's family wasn't like insulted at all. It was all just from from the Italian guy's mm-hmm. family's point of view and all of this. And you're just like, oh, well, that makes sense when you're watching the film. Yeah. It was just gross from the hindsight. Yeah. And it well, yeah. And it was just like also, it was just gross that it won Best Picture. I think that was the other thing that, like, I I think when I saw Green Book, I was more like, that was fine. Mm -hmm. I mean, I was happy to watch Mahershala Ali. I was happy to learn about that uh, figure, um, that Mm -hmm. person. I thought that was really interesting. Um, But I was appalled when it won Best Picture because that was that I. I think the I think the Academy misread the memo. Yes. <laughs> they, uh, we're like, yes, look, we picked a movie about racism. The same movie no. we picked back in like what 1989. We picked no. it again. Children, uh, no. <laughs> oh, did you watch the movie? No. Well, it's because you gotta look at the people that are selecting the um who are who are the judges yes. and what types of people they are and where their perspective is. Um, so th- that's a problematic one. Um, yeah. Then I wanted to talk a little bit about like um, the Native American representation. Mm-hmm. Cause that's always kind of like a, Ugh. so the two and that we brought think up about were, American patriotism, um, Native American representation should be top of our list of American patriotism. Yeah. Uh, but once again, we're having a real hard time addressing that one still i feel like like we're gonna talk about last mohicans which i think does address it uh it's definitely like yeah it 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 makes the white people out to not look good yes Uh, but it also then centers the entire story around white people around a good white you know like there's always a good white person among at least at least daniel day lewis they did not expect me to believe that daniel day lewis was a native american man I was confused. I had never seen it. Uh, it is my one of my husband's favorite films, which I thought was adorable and also kind of interesting. Um, but yet he loves that. He thinks the soundtrack is amazing. I have to agree. The soundtrack is really good. He likes that it's it's everything. It's action, adventure, romance. It just did it for him as like <laughs> a preteen boy. That was what he wanted. Um, and obviously... <laughs> Yeah, obviously he has good taste, right? It won it won an Oscar. Was it yeah, best yeah. picture? Yeah. Like I mean, it's, it's very well regarded. And it, yeah, and it's it's a good film. And I, I appreciate that. Yeah, they I when as I was watching it at the beginning, I was like, Am I supposed to believe that Daniel Day Lewis oh, is yeah, well, that Native American because I'm immediately uncomfortable? And it took you it takes a while through the movie before they get into yeah, the story yeah. of like he he's uh he's adopted. Yeah. Oh, okay. Whoo! <laughs> yeah, then then this movie would have been real problematic yeah. across and, the board, you know? Right? Well, and like, at least, uh, when I say, and it's interesting, right? Because when it came out, that probably wouldn't, that probably wasn't a thing that would have bothered anybody. It from winning right? those awards, nothing. Yeah, from my, from my perspective of in 2020, it was like, what? <laughs> and I, I was like, oh, I really wish they would have told me that earlier. So I was not like, deeply confused for scandalized. Film, like- yeah and then, so and then there's a love story too but there's another thing about like it's a white lady and a white dude right and yeah. they like you know there's nothing complicated about that so uh, and and you learn they do they do get into it a little bit more right um about like why white people were committing fuckery yeah. uh during throughout history let's be real but and during the time period that last the mohicans is set 
Um, I think, I wonder, just kind of as a theory, I wonder if it feels because America feels like they have more or less like made up for slavery, uh, the white population, whereas I don't know that they feel like they have properly rectified what happened with Native Americans, that they're not as comfortable addressing it because I feel like we've gotten to a point where we've made a lot of Black-centered films, particularly about the Civil War, but we haven't done nearly enough and we really used it for obviously the Western era. So if we're talking about Westerns, Native Americans were in there, Native Americans uh, (laughs) uh, were depicted, I'll say that, in those films, even TV. And it was always like this real favorable look towards white people. And, mm-hmm. you know, maybe they wouldn't yeah, kill the all the Native Americans. Of the savages and, but, yeah, the trail of the savages. Yeah. So I think we just haven't really addressed much so of that. I think part of it is that, um, I think part of it is just like a, it's a population thing. Like there, there are so many, many, so many fewer Native Americans uh, than there are Black people in the United States that I think it's just we don't have the directors we don't have you the don't writers. have the directors and and it, it's a hired even if they're there it sucks because it's just like a numbers game at some point and like it's a it's a numbers I'm not saying like it in from the producer's perspective it's like a they they look at it as a numbers game like it's a lot we more work make, for them to do yes to why do we want to yeah why do we want to make a movie about Native Americans when there's such a small portion of our potential audience let's make another movie about white people and like that's shifting a lot and i think a big part of it is that like white people have been very vocal about the fact that we're like no no we would like to hear some other stories please (laughs) please (laughs) thank you um but uh yeah i think i think um there's certainly room for native americans but I started um, to see, and I think it's because they, they're more indie films, and I think they yes. have like native uh, yeah. directors or writers. I'm I, seeing films that are focusing on Native American experience in the US right now and yeah. you know, high suicide rates and the mental health issues that run rampant, I, unfortunately, in wonder, the native populations. Yeah, I wonder if it's also partially that it like there's, it, they almost feel isolated, like because they kind of, uh, are they're on these reservations um they kind of have their own um their own space and their own culture and i wonder if like part of it is that because we are not exposed to them and we're not as integrated yeah. i guess that they you just don't get as much of it i don't know yeah. I, I think we're still at a point where I think Native Americans are in when they are in like mainstream films, mm-hmm. they're always the mythical, like mystical. Yes, wise and, and, man and that's the other the problem is that we we had this period. So we started in this period of like Indians are savage. And that was like the beginning. And then at some point in like, I want to say in like the late 80s, early 90s, it shifted into this. We did a horrible thing. And the Native Americans are magical, mystical, yeah. perfect group of people who are, the, you know, they there's they created all of these um, these positive stereotypes about yeah. Native Americans, uh, which basically kind of just like continued on the problem of like stereotyping an entire yeah. group of people. And it was still it still becomes this like white culture thing. Right. Yeah. And I feel like in the night in the 90s, it was like dream catchers yeah. and like feathers in your hair and right and like 
and that right and like positive yes and that that's like where this like this really where this cultural appropriation problem like started and like that's when we look at it we're like oh geez can you guys like calm down and stop and like actually figure out what you're talking about and maybe like you know it's 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 misguided appreciation and and i mean and that definitely expands out like obviously to sports, Washington, finally, Washington, D.C., we got them, we put enough pressure on with the Black Lives Matter movement yeah. last year. I'm glad we also confounded that to be like, hey, Washington, let's come back to you too. While we're talking about oppressed people, take the name Redskins off the damn logos already, like Jesus Christ. It um, is crazy <laughs> how long that was a thing. So even in sports and everything, yeah. you know, other races, are not we're not just you know there's no chicanos or there's you no know, beaners or wetbacks running around like no new mexico wetbacks because people would go ham immediately like well, there would be no standing for that i will However, say uh that italians would be very excited about uh the, like the you know <laughs> the new york guidos we'd be all about it <laughs> maybe a certain name but some of the names i don't know still. Uh, nah. <laughs> Uh, I'm just saying I'm just saying Italians are very excited about their whatever whatever is Italian they're like excited about it I mean I guess Um, if you name yourself if if a Mexican owned the team and decided to do it uh, then maybe people would get behind it but I don't think they would I think they would still be very upset about it I I guess if it's Chicano it might be okay like that's that's, that's, that's a little bit more like okay that's cool but some of the other ones but so the fact is yeah the Native American depiction across the board, it's still just lacking. lacking. Yeah. And no matter how much people yell and scream, even with that pipeline situation, I mean, yelling and screaming. <laughs> uh, uh, so I don't know. I just said that. I was just, I say his name too often. Um, I just remembered Pocahontas, <laughs> uh, which is another Native American movie that is uh, problematic, historically inaccurate, and also wonderful. Um, I know people hate Pocahontas for some of the things. I so love it. I'm sorry. I, listen, the music is amazing. Um, the story, if you take out, if you take away the fact that it was supposed to be based on a real person, Pocahontas. and you let it exist as it is on its own, yeah. it is fine. It has some of the best music. Oh, the music is amazing. Music is so good, and and they did all of the voice actors are native people. Native, and this was mid nineties, ninety four. This is we were talking the, about this. this Disney tried. Yeah, they tried, and uh, same thing with some of their other animated films of the of the nineties. Aladdin, not so much, but moving <laughs> after Aladdin, uh, we'll yeah. we'll move to the next one. Uh, Aladdin was one of the first ones, so yeah. uh, you know. But even the actress who voiced Pocahontas, obviously, she probably gets this question. I heard her speak at a convention, and uh-huh. she was like, "I understand. I, I there are a lot of problems, you know, obviously with depicting Pocahontas in this way." But in honesty, and somebody from the crowd who was a native girl even said, um, this was it though, you know, this, this was, I mean, it was kind of a milestone to have Pocahontas yeah. in a also, big animated film in that form and being celebrated. She was a strong, yeah. really good character. So also, Pocahontas's real life story is like incredibly depressing. Very sad. It cannot be an animated film. If they're going to no. ever tell Pocahontas's story as it is. No. Uh, so, 
Sacagawea's story. That's what I want. Well, that's, I mean, that's what people were like. They shouldn't have done Pocahontas. They should have, should have done Sacagawea because it's a more like, <laughs> it's more. Yeah, but she was already pregnant. She had a baby and everything. <laughs> we can't get a love story out of that. That's going to be a Pixar film. Let's do and, that. And if they had done like just a made up person, I'm sure people would have gotten mad too if they just made up a Native American yeah. character and didn't base it off of something. So it also might have been a better almost maybe if they had like used like some of their, um, their mythology they have fascinating yeah. really good interesting disney, fun disney mythology didn't quite do so while they did a good job on the casting they didn't do quite enough legwork on mm-hmm. the native culture itself especially mm-hmm. the tribe Pocahontas came from they did they didn't consult people like they should have mm-hmm. that's where they faltered more but yeah, I don't know. That's, that's a, it's a long, lengthy conversation, but one I think we should keep, continue to have. Anytime we talk about American history and being a proud American, I think we we need to continue to, to help uplift Native communities and their voices. And uh, it's not it's not quite there yet, but hopefully, hopefully mm-hmm. we'll, we'll be mm-hmm. getting there soon. Um, I had Lone Ranger here on the list, but that's just Ooh, like shot. one more thing to add into that but list. That is like, just yikes. Now that is yikes, yikes. See, yeah. and that's way right, later so like- than something like Last of Mohicans. <laughs> and it is way worse when it comes right. to re- representation. It's right, exactly. Lone Ranger. It's 2010's Lone Ranger. So, like it, um, <laughs> so since we're on this like problematic train, we're going to keep on rolling right into the movies about America that are kind of like the anti-American. It's not Hold like on. they're Before against we America. Actually get there, I forgot to mention this because what? it's a bedrock of American cinema and it was kind of American dream when it came out and it is extremely problematic and should always be looked at with a very negative eye in today's world. Birth of a Nation, if we're talking about oh, patriotic films. Yes. Uh, that one. It is not criticizing America. Instead, it is making the KKK out as heroic figures protecting American values and cultures. Yeah, it um, also makes black people out to be like lunatic criminals yeah, and rapists is. and like full on. It's horrifying. I mean, it's horrifying. It's horrifying. Uh, <laughs> I, not even just as I mentioned that there are no actual black people in it. It is all like blackface oh, on top of the fact that it's also just terrible, which I guess is, I don't know. I don't know how to feel about that. I'll actually, I'm like, I'm glad it wasn't really black people, but also, but also <laughs> horrible practice that, yes. uh, you know, it got called out on. And yeah, so <laughs> Birth of a Nation is the dark side yes. of American history and incarnate. It sucks because as we talked about this, it is the first full length film ever created. So, so it has this it. forever place. It has a forever place in film history yes. because be it was first. So I, and you know what? Maybe it's best that it is not forgotten so yeah. that we can always point to it and be always like, you it. see this fuckery? This is what film can do when wielded improperly and you see like, what they funded you see what they decided was worthy to be the first ever full-length feature yeah. film do you know this. and it was was it woodrow wilson used to just play birth of the nation in the white house all the time he's like look at this amazing film yeah, yeah, yeah. just as like so a, so yeah. that's where we came from and that was what was viewed as this wonderful patriotic messaging um was birth of a nation <laughs> to kick things off 
Ugh. Ugh. Uh, the worst of the quote unquote American style Patriot <laughs> Um, Okay, great. So well, as we're moving along, um, we want to talk about uh, these like more like full on like anti-American, like things that like really kind of approach the 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 dark side of America and decide to use their platform as a criticism of what America yeah. is doing. Um, so uh, the first one, let's start like chronologically, like in history, uh, 12 years a slave, which is a devastating film. A brutal watch. Very it's incredible. It's I think that's Lupita Nyong'o's first film so that yeah. was her first film and her oscar winning role which very well deserved because she was yeah. amazing she was incredible um and Directed by a black director um yeah which... um and it and it's a based on a true story uh yeah. which is horrifying and i think it's i i know uh roots uh came before it uh but uh, roots is another one of those uh made for tv movies so i don't know how much that qualifies as like films but it is one of the like first films i can remember seeing that really full-on dealt with the like horror of slavery of how absolutely tragic and yeah. terrible it really was and i while, think you know and while there's like the brad pitt character like there's a couple of okay white people it's not one that really has that white savior type of no. person. Like there no. are a couple in passing who are like better white people <laughs> who are yes. a little bit nicer to them. Um, but it is like a, a, the story of the black people of, <sighs> of history. And um, I think yeah, it was very much needed when it came out still. Mm -hmm. um, it tends to be very much if it definitely feels like yeah it's very much glazed over right like you i mean you know gone with the wind is a pretty old film but it's they really don't it's the opposite of what like the representation of slavery should should be right like it's not only are these terrible stereotypical yeah. characters they like they they don't suffer at all they don't have they don't have much of an identity i mean i i i love that um the woman who played mammy oh uh, my god what's her name she she won the, the, she won an oscar that's that's and cool then you, hear, then you hear the story yeah like, and then oh, you hear that she it. wasn't like allowed in the yeah. same door as like, everyone else and ugh, you're like wow that's, that's sad and shitty and yeah, yeah and then you yeah. say well you think about the fact that like those were then that was then that was the only role to play in that time yeah. period was mammies and slaves and yeah. things and uh yeah um so yeah i just i i'm trying to think i really don't feel like there was very, there are very many movies that deal with it um i mean in, yeah in deep, the type of fashion deep, i mean because yeah we have a lot about realism slavery, but it's a at some point it does the the reason it get where slavery genre is getting so much like blech, from the black community, particularly one, because so many of these films, and you could argue 12 Years a Slave to a point as well, start to feel like this almost like black pain torture porn um, so, when we deal with this. So I went to, um, <laughs> I went to a museum. I went to <laughs> this place called the Whitney Plantation, um, which is in, uh, it's right outside of New Orleans. And it's the only plantation that actually focuses on the 
the black experience of okay. living on a plantation, um, which, you know, I, I think uh, we, you know, we kind of talked about it that like a plantation is it's, it should be treated f um, as the location of horror that it was right. Yes. It shouldn't just be this like, Oh, it's talking about the family in yeah. the big house. Right. Yeah. Um, and I read, <laughs> I read a trip advisor review from this dude I, he might, he looked like a white dude. Maybe, maybe I, I'm just looking at his little tiny avatar photo, but um, this person was complaining that the, it wasn't devastating enough that they like gave the plantation like three star, two star review or something like that because they didn't feel devastated enough by the end of it. And what kind of a person do you need to be that you like write a bad review for the plantation, the only plantation museum that focuses on the actual slave experience yeah. is not devastating enough. Yeah. And like, so I mean, I like listened to the audio tour and like he, um, the, the, the curators of the plantation were very specific that like, they don't, they didn't want it to be like torture porn, right? Yeah. They didn't want it. You, they didn't want people to come out of it feeling like they were heartbroken and they were sad and like it was far away they want to be able to come out of it like understanding the reality of what it was and how it fits into history and who these people were and um we yeah we really don't get enough of the stories that are like that yeah the the yeah. like you were saying like the yeah. 12 years of slave is definitely focused more on the like the horrors of it and i think um, you i think once again you can accept it more with 12 years a slave when it's like at least a black director mm -hmm. rather than because it feels a little bit weird right. when it's this white director mm -hmm. who is just like putting out this black pain torture porn because you're just yeah. like oh this this feels very not like gross actually yeah. like especially when it keeps happening over and over again it's like you can you can get you this is my problem with rape in film as well you can get your point across on how devastating something is without just like mm -hmm. wham like right in our face we don't need to see the brutalization of rape we can grasp the concept of how horrible it is without that you know and the same thing with like black pain as slaves there's a lot of ways that we can get the understanding <laughs> without so much of of that and and obviously as you just said that was the only roles available at a time but there are more roles now as well that people should be getting nominated for like Lupita Nyong'o in Us uh she should have been nominated for that role as well so yeah let's start nominating black actors when they're not playing slaves and maids and mammy stereotype of characters it's yeah. 2021 so I was trying to, there was another thing um, that it covered. I want to say it was the Georgia Rebellion, but it wasn't. There was, it, there was a, there's a sick ass slave revolt um, that I would love to see a movie about. Cause it's like fucking inspiring the number of like slaves that banded together to try and literally fight for freedom. They like, um, like it, like, uh, it started in um, Louisiana and their goal was to go to New Orleans and liberate all of the slaves and yeah. it failed, obviously, you would have heard about it, but um, 
that's that's the Braveheart story that I want to hear. Is it, right? Let me. I just want to double check because there was one that kind of got brushed under because of the director uh, not being great, uh, Nate Parker. But it was also called The Birth of a Nation. So I think his oh. idea was to take back that, you know, title. Uh, and it was about a slave rebellion. It's, uh, it's made, oh, Nat German Turner. Coast. That's so what it was. The, the Nat the, Turner Rebellion of Slaves. I think that might be it. That sounds right. Um, so maybe check that movie out, Ren. Great. Um, um, maybe. Uh, no, not that oh, one. Okay. Uh, so it's something different. Um, that's OK. So it's called the, it's the 1811 German Coast Uprising. Okay. And uh, it was. Uh, da, 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 yeah, it was like ended up being like 500 people that were involved in the whole thing after the whole thing. It, it's yeah. it's a sick ass story. And it's it's the it's the Braveheart story that I wish we could see. Um, yeah. So uh, anyways, uh, speaking of like American, like I want to I want to see, you know, instead of that, like torture porn, uh, yeah. I want to see like, you know, if we're going to talk about slavery, I want to talk about like. I think that there, uh, this is one of the things that I really felt like I, I kind of was very clear at the plantation, um, the Whitney plantation is that like, at no point in time was anybody unaware that what was happening was not okay, right? Like they, they didn't want slaves to learn how to read or write because that was dangerous, yeah. that they could potentially be able to communicate with each other across distances that like they could potentially learn something. They didn't want them to gather in churches because they just didn't want them to gather. Like they understood from the very beginning that this was not okay. And that they had to actively fight against the fact that these were humans. These were real humans that, that, that being enslaved was not natural to them, that it wasn't like, like however much, they, you know, at that point in time, they were trying to push that ideology of yeah. like, oh, it's just uh, this is the they natural order of things. They knew. They knew. They knew, <laughs> they knew it was horrifying, yeah. and there was no point, right? Like it's, right? And and I don't think um I don't think enough of that is explored. No. Um, and I would love to see more of it. And um, and so, recently uh, we've gotten movies like The Big Short, which is yes. a heavy criticism on the U.S. system, and unfortunately all these years after it's been released uh still applicable so take that as you the big short was uh it was fantastic i think uh the best thing about the big short was the was the asides where they took these really complicated financial topics and like explained them to you it, uh, celebrities to yes, come out in an entertaining <laughs> yeah and it's like and it and it's one of those important things right where like we need to understand <laughs> why what they did was not okay why this was a problem and why this wasn't just an accident and it definitely felt like before this movie came out right it just seemed like oh no there was an accidental destruction of our system and there's people that were saying like it's the bank's fault and it's this fault and like you had no i was like i don't it seems yeah. like we're just blaming people and then like they know they're like no no they no. listen so they and like like laid it out in a way that made you go oh they're villains they're legitimately they're villains um i will say i didn't like that technique as much in cheney which is another like anti-america <laughs> very anti-america but this is not done nearly as well 
No, I actually no. didn't like Vice much at all. Um, oh, that's what it was. Yeah, 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 Vice. <laughs> and I despise Dick Cheney and still did not like Vice much at all. So yeah, that should tell you. I, I was the target that should have loved something like Vice and I did not. So yeah. <laughs> wasn't able to replicate it. And I think that's why, because he tried to use that same big short formula. Uh-huh. It, it didn't apply. Yeah, no, no. I don't think it's hard with Dick Cheney because as the movie fully admits right at the beginning, he was so damn secret and uh, didn't let anybody know what the hell he was doing all that illegal bullshit it seemed very speculative and there i have a i have a hard time with it when it it, it's it's speculative but it's like portrayed as if it is not yeah and Um, that's the problem there whereas the big short we have the facts and i also feel like with the big short that that aside thing that was like necessary right like you needed somebody there to translate these complicated terms for you whereas like i don't think it was as necessary in now um i also want right, to talk the, about the purge films we just had one come oh, yeah. out this weekend so they've actually taken over the fourth of july weekend all of the purge <laughs> movies now come out over this weekend and i know a lot of people don't love them uh they do vary in quality and they are not subtle that's the one thing with the purge films they have an agenda and they lay it out right on you with no qualms but it's i think it's really interesting whereas the saw movies tried to have like this moral compass beneath the horror we don't get a lot of horror movies that really do that most of the big horror movies are slashers they're more fun you know you're just trying to have a a fun time killing people (laughs) so that's what i've always at the very least appreciated about the purge and the movies Uh is that they are very much like no america this is basically what is going on out here in america just we'll let it be legal like so that's the allegory is y'all want to kill poor people y'all want to kill these people of color if you could we know that you, the government, we wouldn't, well, particularly this past government, wouldn't put it past you to just make it legal to go ahead and off the homeless so we don't have to deal with them anymore. And then each one, they kind of take on a little bit different of a story. This last one had a lot to do with like immigration and borders. But uh, at the very least, I appreciate the purge for trying, even if it's about as subtle as a humpback whale in a tent, <laughs> in a fish tank. So, you know. It does have a very Hunger Games sort of... Uh... Yeah. approach to and it that's obviously another one that has an allegory it's not patriotic because it's not set in our real world no. but a very a very much an allegory to our society yeah. of capitalism uh, yeah i uh, i would love uh, that's another i think i need more um I need more anti-capitalist. Listen, uh, I'm a, I believe in capitalism in a lot of ways, uh, but I think uh, there's problems when our government becomes about capitalism, when it's like about when that is uh, capitalism takes care of itself. We don't need a government that uh, is all also on top of it and making sure that like. That's a big part of the big short too. It's a very, yeah. this is why capitalism is failing America. This is yes, not, yeah. this not. It, well, the problem with capitalism, well, the, pro- the, this, it's, the problem with capitalism as it is right now is mainly that like the money, money is too powerful. Um, how it, money is um, like this self uh, sustaining uh, <laughs> monster, right? Like if you have enough money, you can just keep fixing things so that you yeah. keep making more money. Um, and, uh, and, and there's just also like the problems of like the mentality of like, that 
that capitalism should be the only way and then we shouldn't help anyone at any point. Right. And it's um, it's this idea of like we we have no problem helping corporations. Right. It's like we're happy to give bailouts and handouts to large corporations to sustain capitalism, but like rugged individualism for uh, people that are suffering and struggling uh, without a, a corporate identity. Um, so there I think, uh, the big short kind of, kind of addresses it. And that seems like that's a little bit what the purge is trying to do. Yeah. Um, it's, it's a very complicated topic to try and like cover in a film. And I think you'd like, yeah. you, right, I, especially you, know you can't get too far deep into it with a horror film like that. Right. Because people aren't really here to hear a whole lot of that talking. You need to interject it with some sort of murder or thrills or run, you know, <laughs> you have to yeah, interject well, that into the movie. Oh, you did, we talk about horror. You didn't talk about what you did last summer. <laughs> so, I was just thinking was about on like, our list. I know what yeah, you did right? last summer. Takes place, uh, <laughs> over Fourth of July weekend, which no, I have totally don't forgotten count. about. Those but it do not count. I will say this: I know what you did last summer has my favorite chase scene in a horror film. Sarah Michelle Gellar's like run for her life, like chase is my fave. So really? Maybe possibly second to Drew Barrymore's opening and screen. Oh, hers was just- it? Hers is good i don't yeah. remember sarah michelle geller's off the top of my head but i definitely remember i, well, I did a rewatch of all the screams like uh, i mean talk about ago. one of the best openings for a horror film ever scream is so good but <laughs> we're not here for scream scream has nothing to do with i also remember how like they like all the posters were like drew barrymore was like all over the posters she was like the only thing she's in there for like five minutes and, and then they kill her off immediately Lord. i think that's one of the greatest things that has ever happened in horror that is like that is a full-on like gotcha to the audience like ha, ha, ha. now you have to sit here and watch nev campbell yes. which like whatever nev campbell that's was still really kind like, of famous oh, we, we, we love her now so. yeah 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 scream yeah, is amazing we, we can talk about those around halloween we'll get to our horror movies horror yeah. movies but but we have like Judas and the Black Messiah that came out. Uh, yeah, that's what Black Klansman was another one. Was most, of Spike Lee's, yeah. most of Spike Lee's filmography, um, especially when he's he's on his game, like Black Klansman. Yeah. He's very good at criticizing America like through their past actions while mm-hmm. also paralleling it with today oh to be, yeah to really show like this is what we did back in the 60s back in the 70s whenever oh mm-hmm. and guess what it's not changed as much as you would like to believe so oh, i think it's those right. movies- well, was great at that although i do feel like a right at the end they had the, the end of the beginning they had like straight up donald trump well, clips like, and i was like all right that's a little they, on the head they did that on the five bloods trip for sure spike lee if there's one thing with Spike, uh, he's going to throw, he, much like the Purge, uh, he's going to throw in something real hard at you. Something ham-fisted. Like, <laughs> he'll grab that hammer and smash you at least once or twice in his film. So well, you, can't, you can't escape the the unsubtle delivery with Spike. No, he's a, no that's true. But, but I, uh, the actual film itself, I do think, does yeah. a great job of being like, yeah. this is what happened. And, oh, wait oh, this could conceivably be happening right now too. So, yeah, mm, totally. great. Um, yeah, and I think the other one that I uh, had on my list that is not a, a Spike, uh, not Spike Jones, Spike Lee. I almost said Spike, Spike Jones. I was like, no, that is a very white dude. Spike <laughs> Lee um, <laughs> is uh, Selma, um, oh. which I think is another, that one's really good because it's, um, 
Ava, Ava DuVernay, that was her first thing, um, which I love, Black Woman. We didn't get enough women directors. Um, but that one was that one was really moving, and that was um, that was devastating and also like Im- inspiring, um, and uh, really really delve into a, a, a thing that I knew about that we knew about, but like didn't really fully grasp um, deeply enough. I don't think and that's the thing. I guess yeah, with Martin Luther, of course, we all know a decent amount about him um because mm-hmm. one of the few black figures in history that people know a decent amount about mm-hmm. from their courses but he's got I think a whole it, holiday <laughs> salma definitely and I, I appreciated that it didn't fully sugarcoat uh mlk it, it showed because you know that was a whole thing with the fbi uh, similar to what we saw in judas and black messiah they ran a whole smear campaign on martin luther king and drug up all this nonsense whether true or not had nothing to do with what was happening nope. so you know they did all that but it it was right. really inspiring and it was beautifully directed i mean yeah. talk about a directorial debut it was yeah a- it was a gorgeous film yeah uh, i i was just thinking like i really enjoy these films that are like no 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 the government is not they're not truthful all the time this is not you can't believe everything that you hear like yeah. it seems really important to have those correction sort of films AI. Uh, under Hoover was uh, a menace (laughs) I mean we had Billie Holiday that movie too this year I didn't uh, see that one that showcased that uh, the government was out for her too the FBI was just like on her ass for a singer a freaking singer uh, that they were just on her ass for nothing uh, because she wrote a song about uh, people being lynched in the south Uh, so people were mad she co-wrote her song Um, but yeah so Hoover and his FBI G-man yeah I mean we could have a (laughs) I was just thinking about how like you're like oh she wrote a song about how people were being lynched in the south and people were mad and I'm like that's not at all like today people never get mad when you point out that racism happened (laughs) so I mean and yeah I think those are actually some of the best versions of those that are like here's what we've done literally Mm -hmm. in the past and oh look here's what we're doing right now yay um so uh to to try to cap it off i always like so my big like fourth of july thing um that i like to say right because i don't want to end on like a downer note um that a lot of people have like a problem with the 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 american flag and a lot of the symbols of the united states around the fourth of july um because of the, the problems right like the you know the, the revolutionary war was fought by a bunch of white dudes and the main people that benefited were white dudes and they had the opportunity to end slavery there and they didn't and they had all these like problematic things like the three-fifths compromise and you know a lot of people just like have a there, there's reasonably so a lot of strange things that are attached to the um the American flag. And so on the 4th of July, uh, the symbol that I like to bring up to people is the Liberty Bell. Um, And the reason I do that is because the Liberty Bell is the bell that, uh, you know, called the people to the square in Philadelphia. So presumably was the bell that rang when they first read out the Declaration of Independence um, and uh, basically rang in freedom for the colonies. But Uh, obviously did not bring in freedom for everyone. Um, And then as time went on, uh, you had these movements that took the Liberty Bell as their symbol uh, of 
the freedom that was still not granted to everyone in the United States. Um, you had the suffrage movement that used the Liberty Bell. You had the um, abolitionist movement use the Liberty Bell. And then you had the civil rights movement that also used the Liberty Bell um, because it was this symbol of of freedom ringing in and and the the echo that still needs to be reaching every American. Um, so what I like about the Liberty Bell as a symbol is that it, it is it is a symbol of America's progress of uh, how America has gotten better. We are by no means perfect. We are by no means uh, uh, unresponsible for the shitty things that have happened in the past. Um, but on the 4th of July, I like to remember that the United States has set up a way for us to get better. And over the years, Americans have taken that ideal that was set up, this ideal of freedom and equality, and they have fought tooth and nail to acquire more equality and freedom than we've ever had in the United States before. So let's take the Liberty Bell and just keep on going for it. <laughs> and we should make better movies. <laughs> and Better love movies. the good ones um yeah. cool <laughs> well, so i think we are um all set so I, I think we should cap off this one last thing with larry what is your favorite patriotic film what are you going to be watching for the fourth of july oh my gosh uh my favorite patriotic film is probably uh, i mean it's probably like saving private ryan honestly I, lo I do love saving private private ryan. Ryan. Okay, yeah and if i'm gonna watch something tomorrow oh god maybe maybe i'll go with that maybe i'll, I'll just stick with saving private right rock on, rock on and you um i if we're allowed i'm gonna go with have to go with hamilton uh for sure that is that is the top of the list but um i will probably be watching <laughs> we're recording this on the third uh but uh it will be the fourth when you hear this or later i don't know maybe in several years when you finally find our podcast um but uh we uh i will be i'm gonna find valiant and i'm gonna watch that pigeon movie yeah. i want to watch it now I'm, and tim what, curry Revolution? and ewan mcgregor and uh, ricky gervais's voices i'm like here for it so that's what i want to watch oh and that terrible one yes. uh i might try and find the terrible one too the revolution the al pacino one legendary <laughs> so excited <laughs> Well, thank you all so much for listening. Let us know what your favorite patriotic film is. Mm -hmm. And what, what's your 4th of July go-to watch every year? Or do you mix it up? Let us know either in the comment section if you are watching this on YouTube. Or you can hit us up on Twitter or Instagram in the comment section at Cinema Snarks. Ren, where can people find you specifically online? You can find me on Twitter at Ren manly <laughs> i think so i think that's my handle it is, it is. <laughs> larry has me on there a little bit more often because he sends me all of our zoom links via twitter yes. so i have to sign in at least once a week there you go and then on instagram um, and on instagram at rennie poo 13 just a little more active over there just a little, a little more bit. active on instagram yeah. <laughs> 
And then you can find me on YouTube where our video versions of these podcasts are posted, Chili Boy Productions. I'm also Chili Boy Productions on Instagram and Chili Boy YT on Twitter. So check us out. Hopefully you are following us on whatever platform you are listening. Rate us. Give us that five star if you can. Tell your friends. (laughs) Yes, spread the word. Make sure to come back. We are hoping to add some new things with the production side of the podcast soon like a theme song so hopefully i'm on it be on this episode next episode some episode but continue to grow with us give feedback and suggestions we'd love to hear it so thanks for listening and we'll talk with you next time